0: Hello, and welcome to a new episode of Back to Basics. This episode is all about how Timothy Stwitz went from being a certified public accountant to traveling the world as a master teacher of ancient arts and sacred sciences. All while becoming one of the world's most prolific author of children's stories on the way on that journey. And I know I got your last name wrong, but hello, Timothy, and welcome to Back to Basics. (laughs) <laughs> Hello. I practiced it like four times before we start, <laughs> and I still managed to say it wrong. But in any case, that is not going to take away from this incredible conversation. And uh, uh, I thank you so much for being here. And oh my gosh, you have such a um inspiring journey. And I don't want to give anything away, but, you know, I start all my interviews with just the beginning. Can you share about, you know, your early, <laughs> early. years? Tell us a little Some bit little. about the origin story. And of course, that took you to become a CPA. So that's going to be, I think, the, the, the not so interesting part of, of the whole journey. <laughs> uh, well, the way I got to
1: be a CPA was I in high school, I loved journalism. I was on the school newspaper uh-huh. and English was always my favorite class, and it had been ever since I started school. I mean, I, I even loved diagramming sentences and all of that sort of stuff. And then when I got so when I got to college, I planned on being a microbiology major because huh. my grandfather said if you Are a dentist, a doctor, or a lawyer, I'll pay for your college education. So (laughs) I never liked doctors in my life, and being a lawyer didn't sound good to me. So I chose dentistry. Mm -hmm. And a couple of experiences early in college um, turned me off to a lot of things. So my first English teacher said I wasn't any good at English. So that kind of floored me. And then my microbiology classes, the lecturer part on the first test, the first part of his test, he had 20 definitions. And I have a photographic memory. So it's easy for me to memorize definitions. And when I got my test results back and he took one point off every definition, it's like, no, wait a minute, this is not right. And went in to talk to him and he said, well, I take one point off because there is no such thing as a perfect definition. So I automatically take a point off of everybody's answer. You know, it's like, what kind of world is this? <laughs> mm. and, and then on the, and then on the lab part of my first microbiology test, you know, I go in and they have all kinds of animals around the room with pins stuck in them. And we had to identify the part of the animal that the pin was stuck in. And there was a snail cut in half. And I had, you know, to identify the Part with a pin stuck in the middle of a snail. I just thought, this is not pretty either.
0: <laughs> I can see. Yeah, I will be on your same boat.
1: So after changing majors nine times, mm. I finally decided on a major in business because I had taken an accounting class. And the teacher said, you know, you can make a lot of money at this. And I was good at it. I'd always been good at math. So I graduated with an accounting major and went to work for an international CPA firm right out of college.
0: Well, I, I love that part of your story in terms of you kind of knew that, okay, this is not for me. This is not for me. And that <laughs> takes courage because a lot of people get stuck into, okay, I've just started this, you know, as they say, it's a good thing to start what you finish, but sometimes it's not a good thing to start what you finish. Exactly. Right? <laughs> so I'm glad that you, that you had that wisdom and then, of course, you went on to have a successful CPA career, but then a lot of things happened. You, you know, you eventually became familiar. And if you go, of course, I'll have your webpage on the show notes, but there's so much information. I'm like, I need to take a vacation just to read all this great <laughs> stuff that Timothy has in here. And and a lot about, you know, of course, and I say one of the most well, uh, prolific authors, but I think you are the most published. Or you've written the most children's book in the world. Is that correct? Of anybody currently on this planet, yes. Oh well, <laughs> I'm, that's. A, I, <laughs> I'm glad you. I'm glad then that we have that distinction. That that's. i I'm, I'm
1: way. I'm way behind Hans Christian Andersen. I have. About another 100 or so stories to go.
0: (laughs) Oh, well, but you're still young, so you have time. But that's that's so incredible (laughs) that, you know, you became a coach, a teacher, I would say spirituality, science, meditation guru, and in the process, also a children's book writer. So why don't you share a little bit about that process? But I'm particularly interested of that day that you say, I'm quitting my formal career and I'm going to do something so different? Because I think that's where a lot of people get stuck, when they have committed a good chunk of their life to something, and then they want to change, but they, for whatever reason, don't find that courage to do it.
1: Uh, well, I, th- I think, um, I don't know, with me, it was courage. It was kind of like God finally hitting me over the head and saying, <laughs> this, is not, this is no longer the path you're to follow. I mean, I went from being a CPA with that international firm. I went to one of the largest financial firms in the United States then and eventually left and set up my own consulting firm and started giving seminars throughout the United States. And about that point in time when I was flying to when I was flying to the last seminar, I knew that that life was over for me. I mean, I just knew that that was over. Hmm. And about the same time, <laughs> I became very short of money not too long after that and had to go back into that career, mm-hmm. which was all about the same time I discovered spirituality, which you know that was a process, a very slow process. I mean, I remember sitting on a beach in Hawaii one time at a luau, which was not a commercial luau it was a private beach with a really authentic luau and I left the group and went out and sat on the beach and was looking at the ocean and all of a sudden everything became one to me there was no difference in anything and I was I mean I was literally my mouth was hanging open and one of the teenagers that was with me on that trip came out and looked at me and she said are you drunk? <laughs> and it's like, well, yes, I am kind of drunk, but I haven't had anything to drink. You know, mm-hmm. I was like, I was just in this wonderful state of bliss. And mm-hmm. I mean, this is really a long process. Even when when we were naming my daughter, we picked the name Melanie, which when I looked it up, it means darkness.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And even though I had not started a spiritual path at that point in time, the minute I looked up that and said darkness, I said, No daughter of mine is going to carry the name darkness without light behind it. So we named her Dawn for a middle name. Mm-hmm. And Melanie, Dawn, darkness, light that's what guru is. Gu is darkness, ru is light. So a guru is somebody who takes you from the darkness to the light. And my daughter took me from the darkness to the light. When she was born, when they separated her from her mom, she was just laying there. And all of a sudden, I watched this orangish, yellow, golden, red energy just pour out of every part of her body and float up through the ceiling. And I'm just, again, like staring out at the ocean and being in awe. I was even in more awe (laughs) because I had never seen Anything like that. And I said to myself, something more important, more profound than the birth of my daughter's taking place. Hmm. And so I was starting to see things and be reawakened to things. And when my daughter was about one and a half, I had a pain in my back and she put a finger right where the pain was one day, just walking by me and the pain disappeared. And I was like, how did you do that? (laughs) <laughs> and the pain never came back. <laughs> mm. And then when she was about two and a half, she was riding in the back seat of the car and she started to describe where we were going. And to my memory, she had never been there. So I started to just rack my memory. When was she here? I mean, this is not possible. And what I came up with was she was there when she was in the womb. So that got me thinking, when do we become conscious? When are we aware of things? And then about this time that I was leaving the CPA world, I had a life, we'll call it a life breakdown, (laughs) Mm -hmm. where I laid in bed crying for three days. I didn't get out of bed. And my whole life, I had done everything that I thought I should have done to be happy and successful. I got good grades in school, I got married, I had a child, I had a house, I had a great business career, and I wasn't happy. And it all fell apart simultaneously. It all just disappeared. So I laid in bed crying for three days. And at the end of the three days, I called out to God. I said, "Now, I said, I've prayed now I lay me down to sleep ever since my mother taught me as a child. I haven't missed one night. So God, if you exist, I need to find you. And shortly after that, I had the inspiration to get out of bed. I stood in front of the mirror and had lost a lot of weight. And I felt and heard Christ behind me say, I will remake you in my image. And as a child um, in military school, we had Bible class and I was in the choir and One of my favorite songs was, Yes, Jesus Loves Me. Mm -hmm. Another favorite song was Swing Low, Sweet Chariot. And every time I sang that, I saw chariots. I saw angels. And that was another thing my daughter reawoke in me because one day at the park, she was swinging and there was an empty swing next to her. So I went to go sit on the swing and swing with her. She says, oh, daddy, you cannot sit there. My angel's there. My angel Mm -hmm. friend is there. And I, you know, I believed her. It reawakened the fact that I had seen angels. Well, Um, your daughter sounds like a very special (laughs) human being. She definitely is a very special human being. And I, after calling out to God and getting out of bed, I remembered that a friend in Hawaii the previous year had said, if I ever need a couch to crash on and get my head together, give her a call. So Boy, I, I needed a place to get my head together. So I picked up the phone, called her, and she said, I bought a house so you could have your own bedroom. You don't even have to sleep on the couch. Oh, that's so I great. Had, I had, it was really great. And I headed to Hawaii. And the first night there, she gave me a book. And she said, while I'm at work tomorrow, I want you to read this. And it was titled Past Lives, Future Loves by Dick Sutphin. And as I sat in the backyard the next day reading this book, I just started crying because all of these things, my experiences on the water in Hawaii, things my daughter had shown me started to trigger. And I just started bawling. And from then on, I couldn't get enough information to read (laughs) people to talk to. And like, I wanted to know what's life really about. So that was my entrance into wanting to know about spirituality, and it wasn't too long after that that I had finished the accounting thing. I had just presented a week-long seminar that I organized with people from around the country. Did not sleep for two nights in a row at the end because I was so busy. When it was over, I laid down next to a friend and suddenly found myself out of my body. So not only did I see that I was out of my body and concerned, I also saw the person with me had thought that I was dead and was concerned. Oh, my (laughs) God. Those two concerns put me right back in my body. Not only had I not tried to get out, I didn't even have to try to get back in. It's like those concerns put me right back in my body. And I got on the phone to a psychologist I had been seeing every once in a while and basically said, help, what's happening? And she said, well, I'll get up and ask Baba what to do. And I had never heard her mention a term Baba before. Uh Um, But even nine months before this happened, nine months before I laid in bed crying, I had an experience some Valium for a minor operation and a painkill that night. Mm -hmm. And when I go to bed, I'm laying there and I have a dream. And I'm driving a car around a mountain road. And suddenly I'm saying that I can't control it any longer. There's a passenger, a lady passenger with me. The next thing I know, my eyes are wide open. I'm looking up at the ceiling and there's light coming out of my eyes, like an old-fashioned movie theater. And I'm watching them carry our bodies away on the ceiling of my bedroom. Oh, my God. And that's what I thought too. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> so I closed my eyes, went back to sleep. The next night, again, I took another pain pill. I have a dream. This time I opened my eyes and coming out of the room across from me is a man with a beard and an orange stocking cap and like an orange shirt on. And he's just coming in and out of the wall towards me. So I closed my eyes and said, I am a certified public accountant. I have no idea what's going on, but I'm not taking any more pain pills. <laughs>
0: Yeah, it's interesting how the body reacts. And I'm sure that you're not I'm happy you're sharing all this with all of us because I know you're not the first one that has shared you know, some sort of these strange experiences that we don't know how to process. And I know a big part of your messaging is about being able to reboot yourself and some of your programs that I saw on your webpage. So this sounds to me like almost the birth of that process, <laughs> like you went through a major reboot. And so what what's your advice for anybody going through similar circumstances where they have big change, nothing is making sense, they're going through these strange experiences that is in a way it's a reboot
1: It it is and to literally just honor the process and to keep going into your heart and asking you know what's going on and don't get don't get panicky and really just understand that we go through these periods you know it's it's like an athlete when they are training for something they reach a level where they kind of seem to just not make any more progress. Mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden they make more progress. And again, they level it out. So I think a lot of our spiritual evolution and our personal evolution, no matter what it is, it's the same. We we have to go through a period of integration mm-hmm. and get all parts of us, our physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual, all on the same pathway, and then there's more. And I found that in writing my children's stories, too.
0: Mm. So so tell us about that. Like when on, on on all this process, and I'm very curious about this part because I have two young children still. And how did uh, this all how this this idea of writing children's book came about?
1: Well, about the same time as this uh switch into this we re- reawakening of spirituality mm-hmm. and everything. And I literally woke up one morning and I looked at my partner, and the first thing out of my mouth was. If Hershey's can make chocolate kisses, I can make chocolate French kisses. Mm. So I literally, I'll cut the process short, but I opened up a chocolate shop Mm -hmm. and I started making and selling French kisses and other specialty chocolates. I just followed my heart. You know, I woke up that came right out of my mouth. So I was just following and it didn't matter how much it cost. It didn't matter Mm -hmm. what obstacles were in the way. And there were a lot of obstacles. I learned how to make chocolate. I opened up a chocolate shop and it was in that chocolate shop one day that. uh, UPS delivered a big box to me and I didn't order it. I knew I didn't order it. And. They wouldn't take it back because it had my address on it. (laughs) So I opened up the box and there's 50 little teddy bears staring at me. Mm. And being a CPA and loving Hardy Boy mystery books as a child, I decided to find out who owned those bears. Mm -hmm. And I found all of that out and they gave me the bears. Mm. So I carried one of those little bears with me in the car. He rode shotgun. And after about two weeks of carrying this bear with me, I picked it up at a stop sign one day and I said, who are you? I just held it in front of me. Who are you? And surprisingly, I heard, I'm Poet Bear.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And I wrote love poetry at the time. I wrote philosophical poetry. So I got the idea of putting all of my poetry with some quotes from the Bible and other inspirational quotes that I had found in a little book, packaged it with the bear, called it Tales of the Heart, and, was, and decided to sell it. And I got it all together, put it on the counter of the candy shop. My mom took one look at it and said, you blew it. That should have been a children's story hmm. next to the bear. <laughs> and I said, Yes, but I don't write children's stories. I only write love poetry and mm-hmm. philosophy. Mm-hmm. But my mom knew me better than anybody. And she she saw something in me because six months later, the first idea the idea for the first children's story just popped into my head. And Poet Bear became Blissberry Bear, who comes from the Great Bear constellation in a blue pearl starship to when children need help, to understand what's going on in life from a different perspective. And after the first story got done, I just kept getting more and more ideas. I mean, they did not stop. Things my daughter would say or things we were doing would trigger stories. And I just Abby. kept writing.
0: <laughs> that is incredible because also you have a lot of the programs there in your webpage, which I encourage people, especially if you have kids to to see. It's also empowering kids, and I think this is so important in in today's day and age, where to give kids tools to you know um, learn because the, uh, these kids are dealing with stuff you know just when you think about the shootings that we're leaving the the pandemic like things that my generation never had to deal with and it's a lot and so there's as a parent there's always this concern about what can I give my kids or what can we do to like really uh, give them a tool and I, I saw so much so many great tools over there that definitely you know catch the attention so you know what can what can you share about, I know that you're big on identifying and developing a child's unique brilliance, uh, you know, from your experience, all the child's book that you read in, what what can you share with us on that?
1: Oh, again, like I, I never, I never got into this to keep writing children's stories. And I, I, I learned, I was, everything seems, seems to come to me when I need it. So mm-hmm. um, with the spiritual path I was following, one of the foremost experts on human development in the world and on child development happened to be following that same meditation path. And I had the opportunity to attend a lot of his talks and read his books. And and it's Joseph Chilton Pierce. And Mm -hmm. he shares one of his great books. It's easy to read. Some of them are on a college PhD level. But Mm -hmm. one of his easy books is Magical Parent, Magical Child. And, And It talks about the stages of human development children go through. It also, a lot of his talks are upon reading and how children listening to stories, it stimulates their imagination and that the imagination and the ability to picture images inside of our heads is the foundation for our entire life. Hmm. So building on that, one of the aspects of my stories that are very unique, while a couple of books have, you know, full color pages, most of them just have a beautiful cover illustration and the inside is blank. Because I want, I don't want the children to be influenced by an adult's concept of what's on a page. And while the words are moving and creating different images on a page, as you listen, a picture is static. So it can only pick up so much. But if children are listening and creating their own pictures while they listen, that is the best way to develop their brain and their neural network. So that's why on the inside of my books, there aren't pictures. Mm. And I've also, knowing everything I've known because of all the work I've done helping people energetically and leap over some of life's most difficult challenges you know i and knowing and working with a lot of children and knowing how every word the tone of every word impacts a child mm-hmm. um, on ways that we can't even imagine now i had one little boy's mother call me up and asked me to come and see if i could help her little boy before he was going to have chest surgery, because he had a dent right in his heart. You know, it was a physical dent. And he had asthma really bad. So I went and just in having conversation with them, the little boy told the story of an incident where his father had said something that was so harsh to this little boy. It might not have been harsh to another little boy, but to this little boy, it crushed his heart. It crushed his heart so bad it indented, almost like somebody had hit him with a fist, pulled the fist out, and the impression of the fist stayed. That's how hard these words of his dad hit him. Hmm. So just knowing that in one treatment with me, the dent disappeared, he did not need to have surgery, and the asthma disappeared. Wow. So, so I craft every sentence of every story with the awareness of what impact it's making on the reader and the listener. So my stories, they weave all of my life experiences, (laughs) Um, you know, fantasy with reality, myth with mystery, poetry, values, Proven principles of child development they're all woven within inspirational educational and entertaining storylines
0: yeah, and that, that's why you can spend a, a, a week on your web page and still like there's so much information <laughs> from and from many different angles, so that that's great because you really I, I think I read it on your web page that listening to your own truth. It's, it's a powerful thing and uh, you can tell that you have listened in your own journey to your own truths and have allowed those things that want to manifest through you to come to life because I know that all of us can relate to a teddy bear telling you something and maybe have an idea around <laughs> it and uh, you kind of dismiss it you push it aside this is silly and 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 they you know go away. And I don't know where, there's a whole book, I forget now who it was, but it's a famous actress, uh, actress, author. And she talks about that ideas are waiting to be bor- born from somebody and they jump from person to person. Uh, and so that's why you hear, oh, I had the same idea, but it's about, it's, they, they go jumping until they find the the right person to bring them to life. And I thought it was such a interesting concept that I kind of believe that there must be something along those lines and, and hearing to your story and how you, you did some of the things you did it, it's kind of consistent as a theory. Ah, thank you. Yes. And that that's that's what I want children
1: and even adults. You know, my stories are also written for parents to love. Because <laughs> when I was reading to my daughter, there were some things I didn't like reading that she wanted read over and over. And I also found out from Joseph that the reason children want a story read to them over and over and over again is that because it takes repetition to build the neural networks within them. Mm. So even though I didn't know this when I was reading these stories, I didn't want to read over and over to my daughter. I just knew that if she wanted it, I was going to read it, Oh that, wow. there, must, that there must have been some reason for it and you know i found out later that there was a reason for it mm. so you know all of my stories are to stimulate that imagination trigger those awakenings within parents within whoever reads or listens to the stories and they are you know 85 stories they're they are a complete library for children because there's exercises for breathing in there there's qigong exercises, there's principles of speaking to children and among ourselves using nonviolent communication. So all of this is weaved within stories that, like you said, children can relate to stories. In fact, they relate to a story. It's the best way to teach a child is not to lecture them. But if you can find a story that has the message you want to convey That way they will get it much more so than if we're lecturing them.
0: Mm, That's powerful. So Timothy, I always ask, you know, I always give an open microphone. Is there anything of the multiple things you're working on that (laughs) is exciting you these days that we hadn't touched upon anything you want to share before we end this incredible chat?
1: What excites me the most is I've created the best book club in the world for children and families and it's called Blissberry Bears Beyond the Book Club because it's way beyond anything anybody's ever imagined before mm-hmm. and it includes all the stories it includes audiobooks of all the stories it includes a live story time every month for the children and then because my pictures don't have because my books don't have pictures inside. Mm -hmm. After the children listen to the story during the next month before the next story, they're all invited to submit illustrations, whether they want to draw them or use crafts or fabric or whatever, but just create an illustration of one page, two page, whatever they want. And then I'm going to take all the illustrations from the children and create an illustrated by children's book. And the book club also includes two live monthly Zooms for parents who might just need a place to chill out, get some a clear head, meditate, share any problems they're having right now. Um, so there's two live monthly Zooms, and then there's also a social gathering group where they can also share together.
0: Mm, that's cool. Well, we definitely will share all that information on the show notes. It's exciting. I think that's a great vision because it's also about creating community and support and, and a place, you know, where you can go and like-minded people can can uh, share. I think that's super important. So I, I do love that idea uh, of the book club. And um, I end up every interview um, asking my guests, what makes them tick? Besides everything that you share, when you get another one, hopefully not as bad as those <laughs> three days of not Waking up, you know, and wanting to, but when you get really low on energy and you have to resource yourself and you need a quick fix, what is the thing or, or practice that you do to, to remind you that you're ticking?
1: Uh, well, I actually don't have too many of those because my ticker is always beating with the awareness of God on my mind. But I, I have some go-to meditations that I've used over the years when I've got to those low points. And those are available on my website free. So I think you'll have that in the show notes. There's a lot of freebies there. There's stories for children, songs for children, meditations for adults and children, and some other things to have something to fall back on. And I for me, it's my connection with God. And remembering God and love and light in each moment. And if I get triggered for a short period of time, just to bring my hands to my heart, breathe, connect, and listen, and
0: then move back out from that quiet space. Mm, well, I thank you for that because it's a great reminder of, uh, small things we can do. And, uh, I'm with you once, once we remember that there, there's something, however people want to call it, but that's bigger right. than us. And we're yeah. just one small part of the miracle that it's been created for us. It, it definitely, I think it's a powerful practice. Well, thank you so much, Timothy, for being on the show and for sharing all the wisdom and all these incredible stories around your journey. And I'm sure those books will will make a lot of children happy and and empowered. Uh, Thank you for having me. It's been wonderful
1: to actually be with you. Blessings, blessings, blessings.
0: Thank you. Thank you. And everybody listening, thank you for joining us. And until a new episode of Back to Basics. Bye-bye.